How can the Baltimore Ravens jumpstart their run game? We talk about that and more with a very special guest next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostrecker of Ravenswire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for tuning in, making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes over on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL. And we're back here, a midweek edition of the show after a Ravens 24 to 9 week one victory over the New York Jets and here to break down some mailback questions and talk about this Ravens run game is Cordell Woodland of 105.7 the fan Cordell it's great to have you on the show especially after a win when things just feel much more sweet oh yeah Kevin it's uh always good as victory week week one victory week uh get a taste of that victory pie early in the season always good to get a win in the NFL uh glad to be here man appreciate the invite yeah, absolutely. And talking about this 24-9 win, Cordell, a game where a lot of people expected the Ravens to dominate, but didn't really get off to a fast start. It was pretty sloppy overall in the first half. What did you attribute to that start? Was it the weather, the starters knocking the rust off? Because not a lot of them played in the preseason, including Lamar Jackson. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, I would lean more towards that kind of being the main reason. I thought there were a couple of factors to uh as to why they got off to this sluggish start but one of them is definitely the fact that rust you know uh none of the like you said none of the starters for the most part played during the preseason and Lamar hasn't played since you know he got hurt last season where he missed the get the last couple of games down the stretch so um I, I thought it was just being able to get out there and understand okay now I'm getting hit and now I'm actually able to hit somebody uh, on the other end, but uh, offensively definitely started off a little more sluggish than defense did. Uh, I thought it starts with the offensive line. The offensive line really did not look good in the first half in the run or the pass game. Lamar was under a ton of pressure a lot, and that defensive front is really good with the Jets, and I thought we got to see that uh, on Sunday, but um, you still got to go out there and execute. And Tyler Linderbaum, one of the rookies that got to play a lot of uh, a lot of snaps out there. Obviously, he played all the the offensive snaps, but I thought he he had some moments where he really, you know, where he looked good, and he had some moments where it's like it, it, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. He's a rookie, um, but overall, I just thought that the Ravens were kind of filling the Jets out a little bit. Of it were the Jets. The Jets, they're not a good football team. I'm not going to dress it up to make it seem like the Jets are some dark horse to win the AFC. They're not. They the Jets stink, but. The defense is one of the good sides of that of that team. And uh, it gave the Ravens a little bit of problems early. Um, Jawan James injury going down that is never great. But thankfully, they have a guy in Patrick McCarry who could kind of get over there and help them out uh, on the left side. And I thought once he got over there, that offensive line kind of got into a better groove in the second half of the game. I thought everybody did. I thought Roman got into a better groove with the play calling. I thought Lamar got more comfortable as the game went on. Uh, he started making some passes that you saw on those way to throwing three touchdowns. The running game is the big disappointment of the offense. 
not much going on there from any of your backs. Lamar barely ran in that game. But even but despite him, you want to get something from one of your running backs. And they didn't get anything from any of the running backs. Mike Davis, who had been the starter all preseason, he barely played. And then when he did, he goes out there and he fumbles the ball. It's just you can't have it. I would have liked to see a little more Justice Hill personally. I thought Kenyon Drake got better as, as the game went on. But not enough. None of the none of the guys that played real reps got at least three yards of carry. You need more than that in the Ravens running attack. Yeah, and I think when you talk about the run game, we'll obviously talk about more about this in the second segment. But I think Ravens people who watch this team have gotten so used to seeing these twenty yard ripoff runs and averaging yeah. like five six yards per carry on the ground. And so the past two years, at least the first game of this year. You know, it, it hasn't really been that way. So we'll talk about how they can improve upon that in the second segment. But Cordell, the Ravens took a took a risk in some people's minds by trading away Marquise Brown and then not really replacing him and kind of rolling with the young guys, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, Tyler Loss. They're bringing to Marcus Robinson late. But what were your early returns there? Because Devin Duvernay scores two touchdowns, had two great catches for Rashad Bateman. 55-yard touchdown without that, though, would have only had about one catch for four yards. So how do you like the receivers and how they played? Yeah, I thought the receivers definitely stepped up. I thought, uh, you know, while it wasn't like they went out there and just completely blew the doors off of uh, of the Jets with the passing attack, I thought you saw some guys make plays. Uh, Devin Duvernay, he gets the two touchdowns, and he goes out there, and, you know, he's he, he, he makes those plays happen. He makes the tough grab. He may not get the instant separation, um, but he's going out there and he's making the tough catches. You get the 55-yard bomb to Rashad Bateman. Bateman makes that play happen, good route running down the field. Obviously, Mark Andrews doesn't have the great day that we're used to seeing for Mark Andrews, but he was solid. I thought overall, you know, the, the biggest issue with the passing attack was simply either the offensive line not giving Lamar enough time or Lamar holding the ball too long. Something it's, it's tough to see on the TV all the time, but it looked like Lamar at times was holding the ball too long. And I thought that that went in conjunction with that def- Jets defensive front, giving the Ravens uh, offensive line a couple of issues to begin with. So it was good to see them start to click in the second half. And it's definitely good to see somebody contribute in this passing game besides Mark Andrews, because as the year goes on, you're going to need more hands on deck. And I don't expect Rashad Bateman to finish every game with only two catches. It was telling to me, though, to see James Prochet get the least amount of snaps of all the wide receivers here. Yet again, another offseason where James Prochet has a solid training camp, but you get to the regular season and he's not even in the lineup. And I think talking about these wideouts, Gordell, with James Prochet in particular, he did, he did, you know, it's every year. It's almost, oh, he's doing, he's going to the judge machine and he's a great player in his own right. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I love James Prochet, but he did deal with the injury. So we'll see if that was maybe a factor, if he gets in the lineup a little bit next week. But yeah, I think Rashad Bateman is somebody who, you're right, won't get held to just two catches every single week. He's their number one guy. And with Andrews taking so much attention off of these wideouts, because it's just the player he is, I think if someone else can make plays, they're going to have to let off of Andrews and Andrews can make some plays. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand with each other. Booker, they're on the defensive side of the ball you look at just domination for pretty much all four quarters yeah. here. And there were so many con- contributors on the front seven. You look in the secondary too. who stood out to you the most. Oh man. It's a ton of guys. It's tough to say who stood out to me the most, but 
uh, Marcus Williams on the back end. You know, that definitely has to pop out to you. It's the Ravens' big money free agent that they went and got this year from New Orleans. And he's an instant impact guy. Had a game-high 12 tackles. He gets the interception. The turnovers were the big thing that this Ravens defense was missing last year. And a large part of that was because Marcus Peters wasn't there. He's usually a big time contributor in that department, but it's good to know now that they've got another playmaker kind of this defense. Deshaun Elliott was good as a free safety, but he's not Marcus Williams. It just, it's just a fact. And um, Marcus Williams being able to be that center fielder for this defense and also be a guy that's not afraid to come stick his nose in there and, you know, go hit somebody. Uh, uh, he definitely stood out to me. Justin Matabike was phenomenal on the front line. I mean, and I have to give him so much credit because I have been one of the people kind of like, where are you? We're, 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 we're waiting for Matabike to take this next step, take this next uh, huge leap in his game. And you see it. He has the athletic ability. He has the body frame to be that guy. You hear about him going to camps and working out with Aaron Donald. And you want to see that kind of translate onto the field. And I thought you saw a guy that was that showed that he could be a game wrecker uh, in his performance on Sunday. Really, the entire defensive line, from Michael Pierce to Calais Campbell, Broderick Washington, made so many plays that don't show up in the stat sheet. I was I was super impressed with what I saw from Broderick Washington. Um, but I, I just thought that this Ravens defensive front was super phenomenal. And Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen played every snap. And he's another one that I think he's he, he gets kind of picked on, I think, a little bit. I think Patrick Queen is is a little over criticized. Um, but definitely when you come and you're a first round pick, high expectations come with that. And when you're drafted as a middle linebacker in Baltimore, you know, there are certain maybe uh, unfair expectations that get put on you, but Patrick Queen is a very confident young guy, and, he, you know, he believes that he can play at the level that we saw him play at Sunday, so it'll be to, it'll be a key to see if these guys can sustain that, or was it, was it them just taking advantage of the Jets' poorest offensive line? Right, and, and I've talked about this with Patrick Queen before, Cordell, where if he was drafted to Jacksonville, let's say, or a team that was in a rebuilding type mode, he had some stuff to work on coming out of college, a little bit raw in some areas, mm -hmm. right? You're able to work on that without being highly criticized because, look, this is a rebuilding year for that team. You can kind of work through your mistakes. In Baltimore, they're competitive almost every year, barring, you know, the year they had in 2021 injuries. So Patrick Queen is expected to step in there, no mistakes, do everything right. And I think for the high expectations this team has, you mentioned, with the middle linebacker, first-round middle linebacker coming into Baltimore can be that way. I think Patrick Queen – the highs have been great for him over the course of his first two years. The lows, not so great, but he's working right. through those. I agree. He looks more confident now. And he said, you know, Mike McDonald being back is huge for him. He loves the fact that he's his defensive coordinator. I was impressed with him also, by the way, oh, Mike yeah. McDonald and his defensive play calling as well. But coming up here in our second segment, we're going to be diving into the Ravens run game, how they can jumpstart it heading into week two against the Miami Dolphins. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We still have a ton to talk about here on Lockdown Ravens. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about LinkedIn. And as you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. I've used LinkedIn for a ton of different things in my life. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. 
You have simple tools to use, like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. Post your job for free. Drug conditions apply. We're back here with our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Cordell Woodland of 105.7, the fan and Cordell. For how much positive there was coming out of this game for the Ravens, again, a 24-9 win, one of the big glaring weaknesses and one of the things they have to improve on, in my opinion, is the run game and mm-hmm. how they were able to run against the Jets. And you mentioned their front earlier. I mean, they I agree. They have a good plethora of guys there. Quinn and Williams, one of the, one of the better defensive linemen in this league. But averaging three yards per carry as a team for the Ravens is just not Ravens like over the course of the last couple of years, especially with Lamar Jackson at the helm and the threat he presents both with his arm and with his legs. I mean, you have Kenyon Drake leading the team in yards and carries 11 for 31, but that's only 2.8 yards on the ground per carry. Lamar Jackson, six for 17. Mike Davis, you mentioned two for 11. He was started for most of the offseason and preseason, but he fumbled on his on his long run. So how do you think the Ravens can jumpstart this run game? Because coming up against Miami, it's going to be important for them to be multidimensional in their offense. No doubt about it. And this is a Dolphins team that kind of exploited the Ravens last year. If you think back to that Thursday night game where, you know, they blitzed them to death and the Ravens just had no answer for it. I think their offensive line is a little better than it was last year, uh, although they didn't look good against the Jets. <clears throat> but I think it starts there. If we're talking about this running game, getting back on track, it starts up front. They've got to get a better push, be able to actually open up some holes for these guys, because a lot of time, on Sunday, these backs are running into the back of the offensive lineman and trying to jump out and, and cut it outside. And by that point, the, the cavalry is coming. They, they The support is there, and they're not going anywhere. Um, but I also think that there were a certain a, a couple of times where a hole was created, and they just didn't simp- – they simply didn't have a guy that could make it – turn it into a big play. They just I, – I, I thought Kenyon Drake got better as the game went on but he still didn't show that game-changing burst to me. He didn't show – he just didn't have – it didn't look like to me that he had the burst of a guy that could pop a 25-yard, 30-yard run off of a play that's only blocked for about eight yards, you know. And I just thought that I would have liked to see a little more Justice Hill uh, in that game. I thought that Justice Hill may give you that burst that you may not have been getting from Kenyon Drake. I mean, Mike Davis, like I said, I, he, he pretty much gave you nothing. I mean, two, two carries and on his longest run of 10 yards, he has the fumble. That's, that's not going to cut it. Um, I don't know if Jake, if just simply saying they need JK Dobbins is enough to say that that'll solve this running issue, because even with him, it's going to take time for him to get back to the JK Dobbins. We all know and love. Um, and we have to be patient and give him that time, I think. And obviously, that's what he's working on now. You know, that's kind of what you you assume once he gets on the field, he's good to go. But it's still that learning curve of just being able to take a hit and know you can get back up and kind of make those cuts and be your normal self out there without having to worry about re-injuring something. So um, I think once J.K. Dobbins gets back, it'll help. But all in all, I don't think it's a positive for the Ravens long-term to have to depend on Lamar to do everything. And that's what it seems like right now. Like, he, he can't be the, the focal point of your pass game and the focal point of your rushing game. 
It just can't be that way, especially in a situation for Lamar where you don't have any long-term security with this team or any franchise for that matter right now as he's playing on his fifth-year option. So I don't think you'll see the Lamar that has been – well, you saw it Sunday. I mean, he he had opportunities to where in the past Lamar might just look, all, look to just go, but it looked like he made a concerted effort to be a passer on Sunday. He ran on that third down. Uh, third and eight when he had to to pick up that first down. But outside of that, even if you look at the read options uh, plays that they call, Lamar was handing it off. And it was a lot of times last year where it's like, maybe he's keeping the ball too much. But on Sunday, Lamar was just giving it away every time on the read option. So it could be based off how the defense is playing him. Obviously, they want to get the ball out of Lamar's hands as much as possible. Uh, but I, I just look at this, what the Ravens have at their disposal in the rushing attack right now. And it doesn't excite me, simply. Uh, you look at the backs that they have available to them. Their running backs, their their issues uh, last year are still some of their issues this year, and that's health. And, and I think when you look at also, Cordo, back to the preseason, the run game wasn't super impressive there as well. You know, right. I think Tyler Beatty had a couple games where he averaged around two or under two yards per carry. The, the offensive line, of course, not everybody started in the preseason as we talked about. They didn't have right. Kevin Zeitler out there or Linderbaum out there for the majority of the preseason. But at the same time, you know, hopefully this does not become a trend here where you're looking at multiple three yards per carry games and just kind of wishing, all right, when is JK coming back? When is Gus coming? You, you don't want to kind of be in that desperation mode. I don't think they will be personally. But we do have a question here, Cordell, from Wayne Deal, who says the run game pretty much left off where it was, which wasn't good. Do we think it's from the lack of consistent O-line play or not having Dobbins in Edwards? So we kind of talked about both points a little bit, but if you had to pick one, whether it was the offensive line or just the talent they have at the running back room without Dobbins or Edwards, which one would you attribute it more to? That's a good question uh, because I, I do think that the offense, I think both pl play a huge factor. It could You could make the argument that it's literally a 50-50 split. But in this situation, basing it off of last year as well, um, I'm going to go with the talent in the backfield because, like I said, I do, ex I do believe that this O-line is better than it was last year. Now, obviously, they've got a situation at left tackle right now with Jawan James um, re-injuring his Achilles. He's out for the year, and Ronnie Stanley is not fully back yet. So now you've got your swing guy, Patrick McCarry, over there. Not ideal, but I thought Patrick McCarry played well, all things considering, on Sunday once he got out there. Uh, that said, I think it's the talent in the backfield. I, I think it's a situation right now where you don't have uh, many guys in your backfield besides number eight that are a legit threat to defenses. It's just point blank. It, it just is what it is. I don't think that you have anybody in that backfield that can kind of make something happen on their own. And while this offensive line isn't necessarily opening up uh, tunnels type holes for them right now, they don't have that guy back there that can kind of do it themselves, that can kind of turn into this, you know, a different type of back that maybe a Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins could do, kind of make something out of nothing. I don't think that they have those type of backs at their disposal right now. So I'll lean more towards it being a talent issue than an O-line issue, but definitely both play a part. Right. And I think last year, Cordo, I think people kind of had a greater appreciation for running backs. As we all know that the once you hit 30 as a running back, your career is over and you can't, you know, running backs, you can replace them and it doesn't really matter who's back there. But we saw it last year 
with Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell, there was a clear drop-off in talent. And while the Ravens ranked, I think, top 10 in a pretty good amount of rushing categories, for those who watched the team and understood the team, it wasn't nearly what it was in 2020 mm-hmm. or 2019. And so I think for J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, you're right, Cordell, to say the fact that, look, this is not going to be, you know, six yards per carry J.K. Dobbins every single, you know, 100% J.K. Dobbins in the first time he's back. They're going to, I think, limit his snaps. Same thing with Gus Edwards. You have to be patient with it. But at the same time, if you can get those guys going, hopefully – by November, hopefully December, you know, you never really know that's going to be huge. And I'm also on the offensive line part of it. I think just staying consistent with the, with the combination we saw last year, so many different offensive line combinations, guys going in guys coming out. Alejandro Villanueva was signed to play right tackle. He was moving over. Then Stanley gets hurt. You got to move him all the way back over to the left side. So just consistency and health is going to be key over there for sure. But Cordell, I think the passing game also plays a bit of a role in this as well, because early on in the game, Baltimore couldn't really establish much in both. It was the run game and the pass game. They were mm-hmm. having trouble moving the ball. And the Jets decided, hey, if, if you're not going to be able to pass the ball, we're going to stack the box and just put nine guys, eight guys in there and force you to do something. Now, they did something. The Ravens ended up being able to pass the ball a lot better over the course of the game. But I think being able to connect with Rashad Bateman, connect with Devin Duvernay, take some of the pressure off of the box and then use the play-action game, well, I think forced defenses to be a little hesitant when putting so many guys in the box. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely, definitely. And and also in conjunction with that, continuing to do what they did, I, I thought they did a good job of it on Sunday, was the first down play action passes. You got to keep defenses honest. The Ravens, a lot is said about Greg Roman and his lack of creativity in the passing game, but the Ravens have no issue when it comes to play action passes. They are one of the better uh, designed play action passing teams in the league because they run the ball so well. And they do so many different things, give you so many different looks in the run game that it does allow them to play off that and force the linebackers to just take that one step forward and let a guy like Mark Andrews kind of get behind and get in that soft area between the linebackers and the the safeties. And that's usually where the Ravens make their killing. So I thought they did a good job of that. Um, The deep ball to, to Bateman on the touchdown, Harb said it after the game, they had they were just really looking to catch the, the the Jets in that certain look that they gave them. And because they continued to load the box, they continued to prepare for the run, and the Ravens finally caught them. They tried to hit it on that same play earlier in the game, but Lamar wasn't able to connect with Bateman, but he finally got him in the second half. So, yeah, I definitely agree. If the passing attack can pick up and be consistent, it'll definitely take a lot of pressure off the running game, but I don't know if the Ravens can necessarily be one of those teams where the passing game sets up the run game, if so to speak. That I, I, I don't know if I trust that trust them to be that type of style of an offense. They do obviously the run game is their bread and butter. That's what they're known to do, and the pass game comes from that. But if they have to do it reverse. We'll see if it works. Possibly it could, but uh, I I think that it'll behoove them to try to get this running game going at all costs. Yeah, and I think in so many different circumstances, Cordell, the the run game feeds off of the pass game. The pass game feeds off of the run game. And I think we saw that one successful screen to Kenyon Drake for the Ravens were in a successful screen. I mean, the first time in I don't even know how long it (laughs) happened. But it was was great to see because that is almost an extension of the run game, being Mm -hmm. able to get your running back in space, get blockers out in front. I think if the Ravens can utilize that a bit more – 
you know, if they're not running the ball effectively on actual handoffs, they can do something like that, get creative in that way. And then that even, in a sense, could open up things as defenses have to respect that and be aware of that with the players that they have on the team. Coming up here on our final segment, though, we'll be diving into mailbag questions, talking about injuries and more. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. Head over to the website today. Use mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at BetOnline, where the game starts. We're back here, our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Oshaker still here with Cordell Woodland. And Cordell, I think for the injury perspective, the Ravens in a better spot than they were last year in terms of season enders. But you mm-hmm. do have two more coming down the pipeline here in Juwan James and Kyle Fuller. I, I mean, I feel for both guys, first of all. They both had something to prove coming into this season. And both, especially Kyle Fuller, expected to play big roles. And obviously, James with the injury to Ronnie Stanley. But a question from Ifuda Foyce says, Hello, Kevin. Another two-season-ending injury, sadly. Is there any way to help the medical staff or physical staff in avoiding that? Thanks for the show and have a nice day. And it's interesting because the Ravens have done so much, I feel like. Yeah. They've done so much research. They've moved, they moved their practice times, obviously, mm-hmm. in training camp from the mornings to the afternoons. So I think they're trying everything that they can. But Cordell, is there is there anything else in your mind they can do in order to kind of make these season and things go away? But at the end of the day, I mean, it is football. It is football. You just said it right there, Kevin. I mean, they've done everything in their power to put, to possibly stay as healthy as possible. I mean, you heard at the end of the season. Look, last year was completely wiped away strictly due to injuries. You know, it came all the way down to the last game, and that's with the Ravens having nothing at their disposal pretty much with all their key players hurt for the year. Um, and then you get to the offseason and Harbs is like, look, we're, we're going to look at every aspect of everything we do to try to avoid something like this happening again. And you get to week one and there goes James re-injuring his Achilles and there goes uh, Kyle Fuller tearing his ACL in the back end of the game. It's, it's football. You can't avoid it. You you can do everything in your power to try to change as much as you can. But at the end of the day, these these guys, you know, it's, it's, football has a 100% success rate. Uh, all you can do is prepare. And I think that's what the Ravens have tried to do specifically in the secondary is get as much depth as possible. They added Jalen Armour Davis. They added Pepe Williams uh, back there. Brandon Stevens is a converted corner now. And Maybe Marcus Peters is coming back at the right time now. But, you know, obviously the left tackle situation has gone from bad to worse uh, because now you got Makari over there and he's your backup for pretty much every spot on your offensive line right now. And so who's his backup right now is the new question. So that's definitely a situation to watch. Obviously, they feel a little better about it considering Stanley it, we would assume is closer to being back than not. So that gives them a little bit of a, a a peace of mind right there to know that whatever situation they're dealing with at the left tackle spot, it's not going to be this way for the rest of the season. Stanley should be back within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you're hoping maybe around week three or four, you never my, know how this stuff my, works My out, guesstimation but... is New England will be where he makes his debut. Right. That That's just my hunch. I don't have anything to go off of. It's just I, I'm, that's the target date I'm looking at. 
Yeah, I think if you maybe hit after week four, you're kind of thinking, well, what's going on? But hopefully with everything that he's been doing, I think it's just more of a ramp up period and just getting him Mm -hmm. enough practice time to be able to get out there. We've seen it with Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins. So hopefully we'll see those guys return either this week or within the first month of the year. But Cordell, I'm asking you a mailbag question of my own here and talk a little bit about those two guys and just the, the potential need that they have. You mentioned, you know, losing James and even losing Kyle Fuller. It is a blow to the depth on, on both those positions. So if you're the Ravens, do you trust what you have? You know, you have Daniel Falele, Dan, David Sharp, cornerback-wise, practice squad players you could look to, Darius Washington, Daryl Worley, Kevon Seymour. Do you think they're going to just trust that for both positions, or do you think maybe they go out there and sign for corner maybe a, a Joe Hayden or a Jimmy Smith or one of those guys? Well, I, I, I think that they're going to be almost – they're pretty much going to be forced to just go with what they have at the left tackle spot. I mean, everybody, a a lot of teams around the league are having left tackle issues right now. I mean, Dallas lost Tyron Smith and they had to go sign Jason Peters out of nowhere. Even the Jets, you know, they lose Makai Becton basically for the year and they go and bring in Dwayne Brown and he's hurt. You know, he can't even make it to the start of the season. So, uh, I, I think they're going to be forced to pretty much have to stick with what they have at the left tackle spot. Corner, they have some depth there. Uh, I, I mentioned Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams, Brandon Stevens already there, but Marcus Peters is potentially, I think Peters is a, will probably play on Sunday against the Dolphins. I, I thought he was close to playing against the Jets, and ultimately he didn't. I'd be surprised if he's not out there against the Dolphins. Uh, but they also have some guys on the practice squad that they like. I know that they like Kavon Seymour, um, and I know, you know, he's dealing with the injury right now himself. So we'll see. But I think that they are a little – I think they have some solid depth at the cornerback position. They also – I think they have Daryl Worley on the practice squad as well. So they have some options at their disposal on the on the defensive side. But at the left tackle spot, I, I just think that the situation is going to force them to kind of – go with what they have and maybe turn, uh, try to work with Falele, Falele to get him to get some work in at left tackle. But you mentioned David Sharp as well. Whoever they get is going to be a Band-Aid until Stanley gets over there. Right, and I think for this offensive line, Cordell, you're looking at it, and Stanley is the the key that unlocks it. You know, he's one of the best when he's healthy. We're going to see how he looks on the field when he does get back when that is. But for left tackles, for offensive tackles, it's such a premium position, especially this early or late, however you want to call it, in the offseason or just the regular season. If you want to trade for a backup, it's going to cost you a little bit to do so. And I think the Ravens feel confident enough in Pastor McCarry. I think he, I think he's a good tackle being able mm-hmm. to put him out there. David Sharp, I thought showed some flashes. Obviously you want to have Stanley out there, but trading a mid round pick for maybe, you know, solid depth. Definitely. You can never have enough depth, but for maybe two games, three games of somebody while you already locked up Pastor McCarry to a pretty right. sizable, all things yeah. considered extension. Or for backup. Right. So I think I, they, they're they probably going to roll what they have. Corner, I could, there's a better path, I'd say, for a veteran, but they do have a lot on the practice squad, as you talked about, and some of the rookies they could use. There. I thought Pepe Williams showed a lot during the preseason, so maybe mm-hmm. it's what they roll with there, and then if there's another injury, maybe they go after somebody, but we'll see. But, Cordell, we have a question from Tyler G here that says, could we start seeing Devin Duvernay being used in the Debo Samuel-type role this year? So we talk about jumpstart in the run game. Do you put Devin Duvernay back there and say, hey, you know what? You're an explosive player. We saw him kind of play a little bit of multiple roles for this offense last year. How do you see his role panning out this season? 
Yeah, I'd be surprised to see him take on the type of role that Debo has. Uh, Harves was kind of asked about that at some during the course of training camp, and uh, I believe he he pretty much said we you probably won't see a lot of it. Not to say that you'll never see it, um, but I don't I don't think it'll be used as much as Debo is used in the backfield uh, for for the Niners. So I would look for Duvernay to kind of. You know, still be your return specialist, still be your jet sweep type of guy, um, but also give you something in the passing game as well. I'm not looking for him to necessarily give you two touchdowns a week, but I do think that this is a guy that has pretty good speed. He has very good hands and concentration. That's one thing you can tell from him. Uh, I, I, I don't know how great of a route runner he is. That's, that's the one thing. Um, I think he can help them in the past game, but I, I think if he had the route running as of a James Prochet who can't seem to get on the field, I, I think Devin Duvernay would be outstanding. But his his limit his route running ability, I think, will cause for him to have to make the type of catches we saw Sunday. He's gonna have to make a lot of catches in traffic, and that's fine. You know, he looks like he can do it. Um, but he's gonna be a trusted outlet for Lamar, and that's really what you want. I think that the Ravens offense is at their best when they're spreading the ball around. I know Mark Andrews is a stud and he catches everything thrown to him for the most part. But at the end of the day, you want to put as much stress on the defense as possible. And I like the idea of having as many weapons at your disposal at, 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 at your disposal as you can. And so that means including guys like Bateman, including guys like DuVernay. Uh, Demarcus Robinson was out there a lot as well on Sunday, and even Isaiah Likely, who had zero catches on four targets, I don't think it'll be that way every week. So um, I think DuVernay would just be a part, just a piece of the puzzle for these weapons that they have on this offensive side of the ball that'll be reliable whenever Lamar calls his number. Yeah, and the trust factor you mentioned there, Cordell, so important because I think, you know, you go back to an example of Lamar not having trust with Miles Boykin. It just felt like those two were never on the same page Mm -hmm. with each other for the most part. And I think it hindered the ability for them to be able to connect on the field. And while they were able to do it a couple of times, there were times where Boykin didn't know if it was a run play or a pass play or he ran the wrong route or something. So to have the trust that we saw the connection with Jackson and Bateman throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, and also hopefully what we see with DuVernay and Likely and all these guys will be huge for them overall. But finally here, our final question does come from Tyler G again, and he says, would it be beneficial for the Ravens defense to implement blitzing more DBs like they're used to since they have a number of DBs they will prefer to get on the field at once? And so, Cordell, going go back to the roster construction, shocked me a little bit they kept five inside linebackers to begin yeah. with, and then they add another one in, in Delshawn Phillips, who mm-hmm. more of a special teams guy anyway. But with the way the Ravens like to use their safeties, you know, putting Chuck Clark in the box, putting all these guys at the line, do you feel like this is going to be a heavy DB blitzing team? We saw it. We saw it on Sunday, some blitzes from Mike McDonald there, but how do you see it panning out for the rest of the year? I think you're going to get a little of everything. Everybody's been asking questions about this pass rush all off season and just, and rightfully so. Um, but I've been, my answer to everybody has been, this is going to be a all hands on deck situation in terms of the pass rush. And that includes the DBs. I think everybody is going to be asked to do a variety of different things simply because they can't. And blitzing will be one of them. You saw Kyle Hamilton blitzing off the edge a few times. You saw Chuck Clark doing it as well. Marcus Williams had a nice delayed blitz up the middle, forcing Joe Flacco on the outside. Um, I, I just I think that Mike McDonald has a ton of weapons at his disposal. And to his credit, 
he's getting the most he got the most out of them on Sunday at least um and I think that's going to be the case going throughout this season um so yes to answer the the guy's question I do believe that this secondary will be asked to blitz but I, I'm not necessarily saying that they'll be blitzing every play but they will be asked to have that be a part of their duties. Everybody's going to have to do a variety of things. And I think that's why this Ravens defense will be so tough to scheme uh, against as for an offensive coordinator, because nobody's going to have a certain role. Everybody can do a bunch of different things and you never know who's going to be asked to do what, even given on certain types of looks. Uh, the Ravens have so many different looks that they're going to give deep, go, give offenses throughout the course of the season. We saw some three safety looks on Sunday. Uh, Patrick Queen played a lot more than I expected him to, but good because he was he was balling <laughs> while he was out there. So I'm not upset with it, but I just I, I would not be surprised if as the year goes on, we see them have personnel packages where they add yet another DB on the field. So I, I think we've only scratched the surface uh, right now on what the Ravens defensive looks are going to be like, but I do expect the uh, secondary to be asked to blitz quite a bit. Yeah. One of the, one of the calling cards of this defense, even, you know, back to the Don Martindale era has been the versatility and sending all these guys to the line. Are they going to send everybody? Are they going to drop everybody, but three or four back into coverage? I don't think that goes away because Martindale goes away. I think right. that for McDonald, he still is a very, very bright blitzing mind one of the young signal callers in this league that I think can be incredible in terms of being able to go out there and for a coordinator to call those types of plays a first time coordinator at the NFL level NFL is a little different than college obviously but he went to Michigan he did that thing so for him to be able to do that is really really impressive but Cordell that's all I have for you here today thank you so much for hopping on and joining me please tell people where they can find you and what you're working on oh yeah man Kevin I really appreciate you uh, having me on today man this was this was definitely a blast anytime you need me man i got you uh yeah everybody can follow me on twitter and instagram at cordell woodland uh shaking it up sports you can catch me week weekdays on 105.7 the fan every night uh pretty much pretty much right now football schedule and baseball schedule will kind of make the schedule a little weird for me uh but generally generally between the hours of 7 to 10 monday through friday you'll hear me on 105.7 The Fan and also on One and Drive podcast uh, with me and Rita Hubbard where we break down all things Ravens as well. Yeah, well, Cordell has a lot of stuff out there. I'll be yeah. sure to put the links to all of his work in the description below. He's hardworking out there, so be sure to check him out and support him. He's doing a lot of great stuff. But Cordell, again, thank you so much for joining me. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more Ravens content, previewing that week two game against the Miami Dolphins. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I will see you right back here tomorrow.